The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from Lime Grove Studios, it's Doctor Who, Pachak. the director, son? Yes. I'd be out of the cradle the pair of you. Right, let's talk turkey. I'm not sure about this, not sure at all. No? Apart from anything else, I don't want to take on another long run. Had enough of that on the army game. Nearly killed me. Would you like Weekly, to order some drinks? Weekly, bloody rep. Whiskey and soda, choppy choppy. Yes, sir. Uh, whose idea was all this? That fellow from ITV? Sidney Newman, yes. But so many people have been at the birth of the thing, we'd be here all day. Tell me about the characters. Two school teachers, Ian and Barbara. They're intrigued about one of their pupils, a young girl called Susan. She seems to have impossible knowledge for a girl from 1963. So the school teachers follow her home, but home is a junkyard. Yes, yes, yes. Scripts. I need to see scripts. Oh, they're going wonderfully. <laughs> wonderfully. The BBC are really excited about the show. They're throwing everything at it. State-of-the-art facilities. How do they get about? Uh, flying saucer or something? Ours is a space and time machine that can blend in with its background. What, you mean it's covered in invisible paint or something? No, 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 no. It adapts to suit its environment. It gets stuck in one shape. A police box. Police box. How gorgeous would that be? An ordinary 20th century object on the surface of an alien planet. Fantastic. <laughs> and the opening titles are like nothing you've ever seen. Yes. You see, if you point a camera down its own monitor, it creates the most wonderful shapes, patterns, like mirrors, endlessly reflecting, swooping and pulsing like butterfly wings. Maybe I could be in them. Just pop in front of the camera, would you, Tony? Let's see how that looks. Oh, Christ, no. That's terrifying. And wait till you hear the music. We're using the latest technology. How did you do it? Brian's house keys. What about the doctor himself? He's something like 600 years old. Looks like a senile old man, but he's tough. Tough. Tough and wiry like an old turkey. It's what you do so well, Mr Hartnell. Stern and scary with a twinkle. Trust me, Bill, you're perfect for it. No one will be able to resist you. Do you think so? C.S. Lewis meets H.G. Wells meets Father Christmas. That's the Doctor. Doctor who?
Wow, I don't know how I can follow that clip. <laughs> this is uh, the California NBC Presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 287. This is uh, Louis Trapani, and with me on this adventure in space and time is none other than Dave A.C. Cooper across the pond. Hello, Dave. <laughs> See, what an appropriate thing to hear the Doctor say, Turkey, when we've just passed Thanksgiving weekend. Yes, I thought so as well. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to be reviewing uh, this docudrama, which is an adventure in space and time, a delightful tribute to the start of Doctor Who back in 1963, part of the 50th anniversary celebrations, as it were. So we're going to dive into that. Just a, a little bit of news right now before we go any further is, and this isn't directly Doctor Who related, but it, well, it's not Doctor Who news, but it is related to Doctor Who since uh, many of the people on the show, responsible for the show, are, are, are so familiar names to Doctor Who, and um, you know, which is the Sherlock series. And Sherlock series three is coming back, and just recently, BBC One um, confirmed the date of the series return on, on obviously, on, on BBC One, which is going to be on the first day of January of 2014. So, uh, so first of January 2014, the first story is the Empty Hearse, and it's going to be in the U.S. on PBS, which, which had been previously announced on the 19th of January. So those in the U.S. can uh, find out the exact times to watch it on their appropriate PBS station. Uh, so it may not be, it, it may, you know, depending on your area, depending on when they show Masterpiece Theater or Mystery or whatever, or it's, whatever umbrella that they're using for because uh, it, it, it Sherlock appears within that um, in that series on PBS so um, whenever that's shown on your local PBS affiliate uh, that's when to tune in so but you figure uh, no sooner than in the 19th of, of January for the US and um, and the January 1st for the UK on BBC one yeah, they're, they're just re-showing here in the UK, uh, Series 2. In fact, uh, as we record the first episode, uh, uh, Scandal in Belgravia is on now. Yeah, and I was just commenting to Dave that it's been seems like it's been a few years since the last series, and then Dave reminded me that uh, that the two lead principals, you know, had other movie commitments, you know, in that time. We had... Um, there was uh, Benedict Pun uh, Cum Cumberbatch was in the new Star Trek film, and then there was um, um, the Hobbit, which had um, what's what's his face again? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're brilliant! You're brilliant! You get maybe forget it now. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to if put Dave on the spot. Um, Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Thank you. And, you know. For all those young listeners listening right now, you just wait and see. <laughs> the, the mind is a terrible thing. <laughs> well, well, in fact, uh, we should just say that Ian, unfortunately, uh, couldn't make this recording to be with us because he would have said, uh, when you played that clip, um, he would have said, uh, from one senile old man to another, as he introduced me. So we've been spared that, at least. <laughs> but, yes, it, it does sometimes seem a little bit that way. I mean, a little bit like um, we will be referring to a little bit later on this show, that a certain person was in The Hobbit, as in The Hobbit, you know. Not a TV movie, but The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a right. Budget movie. That's right. So it, it's all connected. It's all part of this um, continuum. But we're going to jump into um, our review of 
An Adventure in Space and Time, which is a, if you haven't seen it yet, you do yourself, well, first, of, of course, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, I should sound off the spoiler alarms here. Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. Spoilers. All right. Well, there'll be spoilers, spoilers. Uh, from this point forward. Spoilers. So. Spoilers. All right. Well, we had enough spoilers. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yes, an adventure in space and time. As I was about to say, it's it seems well. It is a a uh, a, a docudrama that was created with loving care. And if you haven't seen it yet, please do yourself a favor and, and do catch it. I know it was um, it was on BBC America and on BBC... Was it BBC One, Dave? Or... Yes, it was... Uh, no, it was on BBC uh, Two, I think. Okay. Um, it was on BBC Two and BBC Two HD. And it was uh, aired 21st of November. Running time, 83 minutes. Yes, and it was on BBC America... On the the following day, I think on the twenty second, and uh, it was on New Zealand as well, and Canada, and so forth. So, uh, but if you haven't caught it when it was on those respective channels and countries, then it's also available on iTunes. It's part of the iTunes fiftieth uh, anniversary collection of Doctor Who. Even though this isn't a Doctor Who story, it's about Doctor Who, but it's within their catalog of Doctor Who Doctor Who stuff. And uh, once again, it's it's called an adventure. In Space and Time. And it's written by Mark Gaddis, who's no stranger to Doctor Who. And it's something that I know he has been trying to get off, you know, to, it's, a, it's, it's a concept, an idea that he had for some time. In fact, I, to my understanding, he wanted to get it off the ground for the 40th anniversary, but they couldn't do it at that time for whatever reasons. And he's now, you know, very pleased that he was able to do it now for the 50th. Um, it's directed by... Uh, Terry McDonough, McDonough, if I'm... uh, McDonough, yeah, it's difficult. If I'm not mispronouncing that, apologies if I am. And it stars David Bradley, who plays the part of, you know, he's he's playing the actor William Hartnell, who, as you probably know, played the first Doctor. And David Bradley may be familiar to you Doctor Who fans, as uh, he was also in... The Doctor Who story from, uh, I guess, a couple years ago now, which was, uh, I think it was Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. He played... Um, That's correct, yeah. He, he, uh, he played, the, I, I guess, for the lack of better word, the adversary the, um, in, in that episode. So, yeah, it's, yep. it's, the casting here was, pretty, was done pretty well. You know, I, I have to give... And, and the acting was all kind of you know really spot on and as far as um as far as david bradley goes i think he was cast very well i think he has the look of hartnell more so than richard hundrell uh herndell herndell did in the five doctors if you remember the 20th anniversary special from 1983 william hartnell had already passed um back in 1975 so they had to get another actor to play the first doctor in that story and they had cast richard herndell and uh, unfortunately he had passed away just shortly after the, the that anniversary special came out i know at that time all the cast members for the five doctors were saying how much he looked like william hartnell and they thought they were talking to with william hartnell like that he you know but for me personally i never thought he really looked that similar to william hartnell he may have 
had some of the mannerisms of his voice and all that, but not, nothing again. I think Richard Hunt, Hunt uh, Herndl did an excellent job, you know, acting wise. And you know, I, I'm, I wasn't. I'm not despairing him. But I'm just saying. I just think that um, uh, David Bradley kind of has some of the facial structure that's similar to of course no one's going to look exactly like, like William Hartnell so but I, I well well in both, both cases and, and the, the the character he played before by the way was Solomon Solomon the, thank uh, you the spaceship. Yeah. Yeah, I but um, uh, in both cases uh, they're both of greater stature than William Hartnell was and of course they're both older playing him but that actually works quite well because as we know although um William Hartnell was only in his mid-50s, he was made up to be playing yes. a, a, a grandfatherly figure. So the fact that um, these these actors are sort of 20 years older than that again uh, doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't jar because people so... Uh, don't, Doctor Who fans don't think of William Hartnell so much as... Um, if you see some of the uh, the photographs that were taken behind backstage when they were celebrating and things like that, and he's a rather dapperly dressed man with his hair slicked back and he's got a glass of wine in his hand and uh, uh, they're having a little toast at mm-hmm. um, you know Broadcasting House and so on. Uh, because, of course, um, certainly at first we all know that the, he, he came down with illness later, but, uh, you know, he was... St- uh, in fine vigor, and um, it, it was an act that he he, he made the you know the twitchy hands and the yeah uh, and the um, things. So yeah, even, um, even in absolutely. this in this docudrama, you hear you know he, he comments to his wife Heather saying you know I that he enjoys playing older you know that, that, that he because you know she was explaining the part to him and she, you know he said that it was a, an older role, you know, and he said that he enjoyed playing older. So, you know, I, I, I think it's something that he relished and that he was able to, um, um, you know, have some fun with it. Oh, indeed, yeah. I mean, in the Army game and that, uh, William Hartnell played and a marvellous film. You must see it, uh, by the way. I've mentioned this before, a long time ago. Chase up an old black and white film called Hell Drivers mm-hmm. and you will see a marvellous thing in there because on the screen... You'll see Doctor Who, you'll see Danger Man, ah. and you'll see um, James Bond. I remember you because had posted, Sean, you did some screenshots of yeah. it and you had posted it yeah. some years ago. It, and I think we might have spoken about it on Doctor Who Podshock and referred listeners to the, you had posted it on a, on a webpage on one of your, on, on a side of yours. So it was interesting seeing those, um, I mean, those characters, you know, the, the, the cast of, that was assembled for that was really interesting. Yes, because you got Patrick McGowan and Sean Connery uh, alongside another. Uh, I mean, the cast is too great to mention, but brilliant. Oh, and you get the man from Uncle because David McCallan was in it mm-hmm. as well. So I mean, you must check out Hell Drivers. Might look dated now, but for 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 all drama, excellent. But that's uh, a Dave AC recommends a bit uh, off off. Off key from what we're talking about, but uh, we always celebrate things like that. When, well, I do when we come across them and like to get the message out. So when they announced this, uh, you know, it was pretty exciting because, you know, as long-time Doctor Who fans, you know, the, this is television history, and it didn't, it hasn't really gotten its due, you know, and so often 
when people refer to old Doctor Who, it's it's sometimes it's the butt of jokes, you know, with wobbly sets or, you know, the, the, the people might, you know, comment about the effects, even though they were cutting edge and, and probably, you know, some of the best effects at that time. But, you know, compared to today's technology, it, it may pale. But this really was not I mean, I, when you watch this docudrama, it was done like I said, with love and care, and there were no jokes at the expense of the program. I mean, and but they didn't. I mean, it's not all glossy either. I mean, they uh, it it showed um, the production value, the production of that was available there um, at that time and space. Uh, they, uh, you had old equipment that uh, that the BBC was using. Um, you only had so many sh- stops that they can make, so many edits. So once they start shooting, it was very similar to a live drama, even though it didn't go out live. But since they only could make so many edits, it was performed almost like it was a live show. And <clears throat> yeah, three edits, I think they were allowed. To yeah, something like that. So I mean, it, even Podshock has more than that. Yeah. Well, thank goodness for post-production. I mean, so all warts and everything is, is exposed. Like the, the, um, at one point, the sprinkler system came on because um, it's being shot in Lime Grove Studios, and it's not the the best studios that the BBC had at the time. And I guess that the equipment was aging. The uh, you, the, the, the cameras were monsters, apparently, yeah. to move. You know the. Uh, and uh, the other thing is that uh, I believe that uh, when they actually came to doing an episode, I mean, uh, they were filming what, uh, recording a, a 25-minute episode. I think they only had 90 minutes of studio time to record that in. Uh, they used to rehearse in a, an old church hall. Now, not all this has gone into. Um, uh, I think uh, quite, a people, quite a lot of people will know that um, for the sake of the sort of theme and to keep the pace of this going although it is a drama documentary you know apparently some some aspects of different people have been sort of yes. melded into yeah. one character and so on yeah. uh, but the, the 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 main people there the main powerhouses behind uh, bringing it to our uh, screens, you know, the uh, the Warriors of Sane, the Verity Lambie, Lambert, uh, Sidney Newman of course um uh, they 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 are all there as the prime movers in it, and uh, should just say that the the young lady that played uh, Verity Lambert, I don't think you got to her, Jessica Rain. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. uh, people may remember she was in. She was also in the Doctor Who episode. Uh, she was in the episode Hyde. Oh. Uh, she played the uh, the young assistant mm-hmm. in uh, the episode Hyde. So. Um, well, uh, well here she she's a sterling job. She, I mean, she does a marvelous job. I mean, like I said, all I think all the performers did an outstanding job. I mean, she's playing um, Verity Lampert here, and she, I mean, here you really see how Verity had her. You know, she fought for the show. She really believed in it. Um, I mean, she had her heart and soul in it. I mean, it and, and how powerful. I mean, she. This was the first woman direct um producer rather at the bbc and i mean it she, i mean she had to prove that she could do the job you know because it was pretty much a man's world there and and she did do it and um and she held out when so many of the higher ups wanted to uh pretty much cancel the show and, and not go forward with it uh she stuck to her guns and luckily she did and um and she was proven right 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, it could have been something of a poison chalice, really, couldn't it? I mean, it, she was, she could, you could say that um, she, she was almost set up to fail in that respect. I mean, uh, nobody's, nobody's, she hadn't got a reputation. There was nobody's reputation. Uh, the Waris Hussein, uh, uh, it was, you know, a chance for him. But both of them, uh, certainly from the way that this story's told, and, and I've got a feeling that uh, if anybody could have researched this thoroughly, and um, one of the things I do believe in the setting up this, and I don't, I don't want to analyse this too much because I'll say it right at the outset, I just absolutely loved it. I thought it was fabulous. Yes, uh, so it, I'm, not, I'm not really going to have a critical hat on, but I believe of course, uh, and uh, and you've talked about it before on Podshot, uh, you know, the, the, the lunacy that, uh, you know, they would wipe the bumming programmes but any documentation where they might be able to get tax paid, our money paid, our things changed hands, they've got the document in, you know, absolute cupboardfuls of it. Uh, but it also meant that they uh, they got uh, hands-on early documents, I should say Mark Gators did, so they were able to sort of uh, set up replicas of what their offices looked like, uh, ha ha you know, how some of the internal memos that went between things, so they knew that there was a little battle going on, that uh, uh, they wanted to cut it after the four initial episodes. The very fact, uh, and you've mentioned this before, that... Um, it wasn't really a very good, strong story that they went with, you know, with the Cave of Skulls mm -hmm. yeah. idea, but mm -hmm. they, they had to go. That was the only script that was ready at the time, so they didn't really have a yeah. choice, yeah. I, I think, in actual fact, the, the, the second clip we've got of it, that little aspect of it just comes in a small amount. I'm afraid Miss Lambert doesn't know what she's doing. First cavemen, now these silly robots. What are you saying? That you're not to do any more than these four episodes you've already got in production. Kill it, Sydney. Kill Doctor Who. Reviews were respectable. Uh-huh. Ratings, too, respectable, considering what happened. Hmm. Sydney wants to see you, Verity. It's my fault. I promoted you too soon. I don't much like the way the show's going. First, goddamn cavemen. No choice. And, and then these Daleks. Daleks. Exactly what I wanted to avoid. <laughs> Cheap jack science fiction trash. Have you read the scripts? Yes. Really? Well, enough to know garbage when I see it. Jesus, Daleks. Daleks! Whatever! Bug-eyed... They're not bug-eyed monsters! They used to be like us. Radiation has made them retreat inside these impregnable metal shells, and now they, 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 they hate everything that isn't like them. All they know how to do is lash out. The Doctor and his friends turn up and try to make them see differently, to understand other people and make peace. It's good stuff. It's strong stuff, Sydney, and I really, truly believe in it. Well, I wanted someone with piss and vinegar. I think we've got something really special here, Sydney. A knockout. We've just got to hold our nerve. Okay. Okay. I'll talk to the high-ups. And that's uh, Brian Cox playing Sidney Newman, um, who's, uh, I believe, the head of, head of drama. I, he, Brian Cox did, as I say, I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I, he did an excellent job. I mean, I don't know Sidney I I never met Sidney Newman, He's and, but he's just, he really um, brings him to life. 
Yeah, well, he, he was brought in, wasn't he, um, uh, from uh, from the commercial side of TV. So, uh, uh, but he, he was supposed to be, a, you know, a real powerhouse sort of mm-hmm. a, a person who drove things forward. I mean, I think um, he was... Uh, Connected with the Canadian yes. TV and film he, television. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's originally yeah. Um, he's Canadian. That was, and then we, he was uh, working in Canada. Then he was um, on ITV, I believe, and in the in the UK, and then brought over, brought to the BBC. And um, and as I was, and I had met, and Dave had alluded to this before, you know, earlier in this show. And it, when um, a couple episodes on Doctor Who Pachak, I had mentioned that this takes some liberties in meshing some characters together because um because it's not like Gene Roddenberry or or George Lucas where they had the mastermind that came up with everything um Sidney Newman had the the essential ingredients of Doctor Who it was his idea but then he gave it to Verity and 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 the writers and and everyone else had all these contributions and we've interviewed Boris Hussein and and he had some input and others had other inputs into the show so it's a collection of different people putting different concepts together and what this docudrama does is try to encapsulate all that with keeping the characters down to when I say characters they're based on real people but you know what I mean keeping it down to maybe um, a half a dozen or so people that you can focus on otherwise you'll be all over the place and too many people to keep track of. So, um, for instance, like um, uh, David Whittaker, uh, what what he contributed to the to the series was given to um, Marvin Penfield, who um, you know. So, so that sort of thing is going on here. So, so, so I'm, what I'm getting at is that even though events and that takes place here are, are pretty much accurate, you know, as as far as them taking place, some of it sort of merged into just to get you know uh, different things are, are merged together just just to keep things going they took some artistic well, for, for, yeah for dramatic effect yeah. i mean and and, and and listeners i mean if you want to know the credentials of this man i mean all you need to know as well as doctor who he brought the avengers to uh, tv so i mean uh, if that isn't enough for one person's career never mind all the other things and 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 in that clip by the way uh, that you, you hear the the young actor better get his name who's playing is it sasha dawan playing uh, yes, Morris Morris there? uh it, yeah and uh, he, he said in that clip you know considering what happened of course that was a reference to the kennedy assassination yes. uh, uh, completely overshadowed well yeah I mean, it's trivial to say it overshadowed Doctor Who. It overshadowed everything. So, um, well, there's a pretty, uh, a pretty powerful scene in this docudrama where you see Sidney Newman reading the script for the Daleks or Daleks or whatever he was calling them. But he's reading, he's reading it, and there's just a position of a gun being cocked and loaded, and they're showing him reading the script of the Daleks with visual imagery of the Kennedy assassination about to happen. And I just thought it was a very powerful scene, the, the, the way they did that. I, I, you know, I, I thought this... I have to say, I didn't really expect to get so enthralled and, and emotional watching this for the first time. The, the, the opening... Well, first of all, it opens up with the original like BBC graphic with the spinning earth and all that again similar to like the doctor 50th anniversary special they they went back and try to capture that same feeling of the time back um what what the bbc had that's if you recall the spinning globe and um so they had that to start with and then pretty early on you see 
they, they jump ahead to William Hartnell's last story, and you see him walking onto the set, and the camera follows his, his the back of his feet, and then he walks into the TARDIS, and I just got chills. You know, it was even though well, we've well, seen photos of this, and we made, and there were uh, previews and trailers, and we've seen it just it just gave me chills, and and they everything was recreated this TARDIS set and the console and all that done accurately with you know because they had color photographs that you know so they they could refer that refer to that, and everything was really done. Like I said, with it, you can tell it was done with loving care. I don't mean to. Um, <laughs> just sound yeah, like a broken abs- record all the time, but no, no, it was absolutely beautiful, and I think that was really great because the point is that, uh, as you say, you see uh, the do- well, William Hartnell uh, uh, portraying William Hartnell dressed up as a doctor, uh, but we see him from the rear. So as he enters onto the set, as you quite rightly say, but we have that lovely silhouette with the you know the astrakhan hat on his head and uh, yes. uh, and and the, the and and. Uh, in sheer outline, um, that made you from that moment on you were you were going to accept David Bradley in the part. Um, uh, the 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 set the um, the console looked absolutely fabulous, and of course it it wasn't white. It was it was like a, I don't a know, greenish like a gray green color. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I assume that's because if they'd have had it as harsh white. Uh, the, the very, very powerful lights that they had to use for the cameras in those days. Would, I mean, they're virtually having art lengths on the set. It would have... Uh, it would have... What it would be it, too bright. It would burn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if, burn, yeah. if you so. notice, if you watch any... Like, even when, even early colour programmes, um, sitcoms, whatever, if you go back and watch it, anytime they're holding paper, they're really not holding white paper. It's always grey. Even white shirts. Like, if, if you go back and watch, um, like, All in the Family, uh, and I know that's based on a British show, A Step in a Grave, whatever it's called. Um, but if you watch the American All in the Family, you'll see Archie Bunker wearing white shirts all the time. It's not white. It's grey. To death to his part, to death, yeah. to death to his part, was it based? Yeah. Yes, death, yes, that's what it's based on. So, um, and or if you see people holding white paper, it's usually not white. It's it's a grey or whatever, because what happens is that with the television, with uh, the, the studio lights and all that, it's just going to burn out. It will, the, the, it will just get, it will be too white, too hot. And um, so they need to do that. And I think that's why, you know, um, when you see the black and white Doctor Who, you see certain colors that were used and that might have been deliberately done so that it wouldn't so that it would appear in black and white, you know, um, maybe as white or but it it won't burn out the the camera lens, you know, it won't burn out the video. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was very difficult to sort of pick a, a you know, a, a, a section that gave you the the feel of the show, and I thought that gave all the energy, the, the commitment, and the and then the reluctant but nevertheless fully given support in that thing. Uh, during the course of that scene, the visuals uh, were taken for briefly to the radiophonic workshop. You see the reel-to-reel tapes. You see the iconic sequence. Uh, that we later found out was, you know, the key on the piano and Mm -hmm. uh, strings and so on. And that sort of really encapsulated, for me, what this was about. I mean, we had, as you you quite rightly said, it it starts at the end, they seem to do that so often, and then we go into this, this... 
dramatic part. And I thought they got the balance extremely well. I mean, uh, they still got a bit of um, William Hartnell's irascibility in there, you know, with a, a little bit of impatience. Just before that scene where mm. he's talking, you know, he didn't like the fact they were meeting in uh, what you know a foreign restaurant. Uh, I don't know. It was an Indian restaurant or whatever. He didn't want to mess about with any of the stuff, and uh, he was he was right a little bit cavalier in the way he talked mm. in that way. Uh, there's some uh, a lovely scene uh, earlier where um, you know Verity Lambert um, reassures Warwick Hussein because they both realise they're outsiders. They basically set up to fall. You know, so if anybody took the can, uh, they would be the one they had no reputations. Uh, but that actually gave them the strength to say, look. You know, if if we work together, we can build our careers on this. And um, uh, I'm absolutely full of admiration to this. I mean, uh, and I don't think I'm alone. I think for, and I'm not certainly undermining the 50th anniversary episode, that was a powerhouse of a production. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether you had a couple of niggles with this a lot, I think the overall, you know, uh, effect of the story was brilliant. In this... Uh, I mean, this was just so well. <laughs> you see, I'm putting, I'm, I'm saying it's total nostalgia, but it's only nostalgia if you were there. When it, <laughs> well, you know, the funny the thing happened. is that it, it feels like I was there. I mean, I, as a longtime Doctor Who fan, I've been reading about this. I've been, I, or not only just reading about it, but you've, we've interviewed many of the people that were there, like Warris Hussein, um, Carol Ann Ford, um, you know, or you've been to conventions that these people appeared at and they told these stories about how it was then. So, a lot of this was feel it, it felt like it was like I was it felt personal it felt like it was interesting seeing all these like I remember being at a convention with Carol Ann Ford talking about how it was working with Willie Hartnell and how they would um you know sometimes spar off and you know because um Hartnell almost was like a father figure to her. She, she was the youngest person on the set there. He was kind of protective over her, and she had to stand her ground saying, and remind him, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, even though she's playing someone that's 15 years old, you know, supposedly she was an adult, you know, she was 22 or whatever, how old she was, you know, so she had to remind that of Hartnell. And then later on, she would find flowers in her room, in her dressing room that was sent to her from William Hartnell. And then seeing this on the docudrama, you know, uh, this on this special, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, even though I wasn't there, but I remember hearing about that and, and these stories that were told over the years and then seeing it portrayed in this drama really felt personal. Even like some of the, you see them posing for photographs. And I remember, you know, years ago going back, 30 years seeing these photos and these Doctor Who books, you know, about how it was originally made. So, I don't know. It, for, for me, it, it almost felt like, like I even though 1963 was before my time, it felt like it was a docudrama <laughs> that I was almost there, you know, <laughs> at that time. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. And Caroline Foy, I'm just checking. She was on the uh, 16th of June, 1940. So she was 23, uh, as you say, playing a 15-year-old girl. I mean, yeah. uh, so uh, fabulous. Um, and so, and she I has mean, a cameo. Can... Carol Ann Ford, along with William Russell, Jean Marsh, um, Annika Wills, uh, they, 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 these people that, that were part of the production at that, you know, in those early years during the William Hartner era, um, 
find their way in this. Not you know in, in just small cameos. Caroline Ford, I missed the first time you. Someone um, had pointed who she you know the scene where she appears. Um, pointed it out to me. Then on the second viewing, I was able, yeah, that's her there, but I didn't catch her the first time. Uh, Ian Chesterton was playing the uh, uh, the, the car park. Itself. William Russell <laughs> was playing it. Uh, William Russell. What did I said Ian Chesterton. Yes. <laughs> well done, David. Yeah. Uh, uh, of course, that was a, a position of enormous power, apparently, because um, there was this um, there's this horseshoe shaped car uh, car park. Uh, in front of the broadcasting house, and apparently, you know, uh, getting a, a space there was like a gold ticket. Um, mm-hmm. um, there was a documentary on, um, you know, because we've we've only just had the fa- well, uh, the BBC have sold off that building, if you remember. Yeah. And um, in actual fact, it must have been a blessing for this production because um, so many of the the rooms would have been empty. Uh, I mean, it's still going to be a production house, and the big the big uh, sound stages are still going to be used, still going to be used by the BBC and so on. Uh, but they've actually moved, you know, their their main central thing. But you know, like that lovely. I mean, when we first see. Um, um, Cindy Newman walking in, talking. You know, it's in that the foyer, and apparently, you know, when you when if you watched I, uh, the documentary they did about the broadcasting house, you know, I mean, uh, people were coming there literally. You know, uh, uh, wide as other not exactly the Sistine Chapel, but you know, it was there. It was there. Uh, place of homage, if you know what I mean. They mm-hmm. were coming in there; uh, they, it meant they'd made it. Uh, and of course, even going into the blooming BBC canteen there, that that was the butt of many jokes throughout BBC TV series all over. But I'm taking us away from the fun. I mean, the, uh, this uh, absolutely. Uh, Mark Gatiss, uh, I take my hat off to him. I think uh, he did a splendid job. I, I didn't pick any uh, one sour note up. Some people may, as I say, not be aware. They may think that uh, the William Hartnell character was uh, person was, you know, seen as a little bit of a an, an obstinate old person. But I think that was part and parcel of his charm. Uh, even in the in that little scene we played, one of the reasons why uh, he was seen to be so right for the the part of Doctor Who is that although he'd had the he played all these sergeant majors and you can see him in a film called The Yanksy Incident that's another good film he's in but um, you he did have that little twinkle in his eye uh, which sort of softened any harshness he he would have uh, and, and and let's face it he was uh, you know all, all the people that have played Doctor Who have in some part. Uh, taken on board the first. I mean, the first Doctor. I mean, even now with Matt Smith, a lot of people say he, he has an awful lot of the second Doctor's characteristics. But he's actually, when you think, look at his mannerisms, he takes it so much more from the first Doctor. But anyway, that's taking us away from it. Um, I don't know how long we want to go on this because we are going to cover another subject. Do you want to play the final clip and we perhaps give our final comments on? Yeah, I just wanted to make a point that this does, even though this is the, um, you know, it focuses on the creation and how Doctor Who came about, but it kind of does it in a way of focusing on William Hartnell. The, 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 lead character, the lead actor, I would say, in the series is David Bradley playing William Hartnell. It's it's almost the William Hartnell story, even though it only it only is about his um, role in Doctor Who, but it's it's it's... It's almost done. It's almost seen through his eyes, you know. Not 
you know, in a sense. So it was really interesting that, uh, of course, the, 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 the docudrama opens with William Hartnell, you know, um, in, in 1966. And then we go back in time to 63, and then it comes back to that scene again. And it's, it's really focused on, it's really William Hartnell's story as it pertains to Doctor Who. And I, I just thought they, they did that very well. I've made my mark, shown everyone I can do it. I'm sure it leads to lots more interesting stuff. Hmm? Well, I'll make us a nice cup of tea. I... I... I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Well, then, who's who? <laughs> I won't lie to you. I'm scared stiff. Oh, you, you'll be fine. In fact, you'll be wonderful. I, I told them, you know, there's only one man in England who can take over. Oh? Couldn't they get him? I think that clip oh, goes to um, what I was just saying, how it focuses on William Hartnell. Because you do see Patrick Troughton there being portrayed by Reese Shearsmith, who looks a little young for Patrick, you know, um, for Patrick Troughton. But I think he had his voice mannerisms pretty dead on right there. It did, it did sound like him. Um, and it, he had, you know, he did had some of the facial structure there, but he just looked a little young for the, uh, you know, compared to... Well, it was only on screen for a minute or two, yeah. wasn't he? But, but my point is that... You, there was no scene of him being hired or, you know, there was no scene with him talking with no. Sydney or, or or Verity or whatever. You just see him there. It, there's, this drama really focused and stayed focused on Hartnell, you know, and uh, which is fine. You know, it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's nice to see that. And I think there were, and you can see, I don't know about BBC, um, on the, 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 the BBC's, um, 
YouTube channel, but I, I know on BBC America there's a scene which they recreated the regeneration scene, you know, where they show uh, William Hartner regenerating into Patrick Troughton, but but with David Bradley going into, um, you know, using Reese Shearsmith here. So, but that's not in this document. In, in, in this, I was going to say documentary, but in this docudrama, so they maybe um, maybe they shot more that they didn't use. Maybe it's a deleted scene. Um, so if you want to catch it, I know it's on the BBC America YouTube channel. Yeah, you say he looked too young, and he did look young with that wig. But he was his age forty four. The actor. Oh, okay. So, yeah. uh, but he he only looked about twenty six. He, he did. He, he looked like a cosplayer, <laughs> really. <laughs> he looked like someone playing. Yeah, that, yeah that's um, what, that, the, the second that's doctor. What a Be- Beatles wig. Yeah. That's what a beetle haircut, a wig look does for you. But I mean, the, yeah. Um, what I mean, um, there's a few fans out there, some of whom may be missing on today's podcast, that were not ashamed to say that they cried at a couple of points. There. Well, I did. And I think that was I, one I, of them. I got all the first time I was watching it, and I, you know, I, I, I tweeted this out when I was watching it, saying that you know I prepared for this with some popcorn and uh, you know, but I didn't bring tissues. You know, I just wasn't. You know. I, I I should have you know remembered we spoke about you know this being debuted premiered with uh, and, and and people welled up and got teary eyed and all that but I guess you know I was expecting that they would because they were involved with whatever but I I didn't expect that from myself so the, but the, yeah I got very much involved with it and um and and was you know emotionally watching it on my first viewing. And um, and doesn't it put in the con- well, it did for me the context of you going back to the tenth Doctor David Tennant with Wilf leaving? I don't want to go. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> I, 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 I'm assuming that was somewhat deliberate. I'm my guess. You oh, know. sure, yeah, absolutely sure. And even the little mm, in his voice, you know, before he says it. But that was it. Uh, and then, um, I mean, obviously there was too many things. To click. One of the other things were was that. Um, uh, the proprietorialness of uh, William Hartnell over things in the TARDIS and set, because uh, I'm assuming that it's true, they were played it, that um, uh, the, the, they must have had a new director come in to do one, and the, the doctors at the, um, the console and, these, uh, and the directors sort of shouting action. He said, it's not going up and down. Yes. And the director's looking, what do you mean it's not yeah. going up and down? You can't do it without that. Well, well, there's no technician around to sort it out. So he bends down, goes into the console and switches because he knows where where the thing is to make the thing go up and down. And, and in the end scene, when he's leaving, the last little thing he does is to bend down under the set mm-hmm. and switch it on for the next Doctor, which I thought was basically a handing of the torch scene. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Hartnell was very much, um, you know, he... he he didn't. He when the Tartar set he was delayed, he 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 said he couldn't. How could how could he expect to perform? He needs to be familiar with the controls, and he you know the, he knew which switch controlled the door, and he couldn't just use any switch. You know when they, when they directed him, they said, "Does it matter? Yes, it matters. Of course, it matters." And he knows people would pick it up if he just used any old switch. Yeah. He had to be consistent and use the same switch to do the same functions because people would know, and you know people would know. Fans watching, <laughs> you know how how particular and how and, and i'm one of them you know i'm not saying i don't mean to um be critical of, of other fans because i'm i'm doing the same thing so uh i but i it's great that he took such um pride and uh, um and, and possession of the show yeah, 
you know, and and it's, I mean, it's interesting seeing the first scenes with Hartnell with I, that was with his granddaughter. It wasn't obviously not Susan, but his real life granddaughter, and she was sort of annoying him. And he's you know she, he basically said to Sada, he didn't say it, but whatever term, whatever phrase he's used, he, he told her to get away and sod off, or whatever. And she got upset and left and all that. Compared to how he was as the when once he got the part of the doctor, then he was the Pied Piper of children. And would he go to the park or you know he would find children would just follow him around. And he got it, it just it seemed to rejuvenize him as a person and he took a whole new outlook of children and, and took them under his wings and was very protective of that. You know, they, they could have used some archival footage. Cause I remember seeing some documentaries. I can't remember which from years ago, which they showed William Hartnell making public appearances. And you would see these legions of kids following him. He would be on a lorry or on a truck, whatever. And they would just like follow him. And, uh, it's, it's you know they they tried to capture that in this docudrama, uh, but it's it's pretty amazing you know and and he says and I, I'm going to paraphrase here that once your once Doctor Who touches you it, it once it touches your heart it, it lasts a lifetime or, or something I'm messing that up but I, I think even though they didn't use that quote here in this docudrama I think that pretty much sums up how William Hartnell felt. And even when he was let go, you know, because he was, um, as we said before, his, his health started failing him. He was having harder times remembering um, his lines and, um, and and staying in focus. And, uh, you know, so it became more and more difficult to shoot scenes. So um, it came to a point where, you know, he he went to see Sidney Newman saying that, you know, things have to change. And Sidney Newman said, well, you know, things have to change, but they had different you know, ideas and all that. and But he took it very professionally, even though obviously we, we just heard that scene where he, he was very emotional. He didn't want to go. But, you know, again, he, he, he was um, a professional to the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's why it's, it's, it paid these sort of uh, irascible people, you know, and sergeants, as I said before. Uh, so he hadn't really had this contact with the, uh, the people that watched him. So uh, there's no doubt about it that, you know, affected him. I mean, uh, they've all said that. Tom Baker has recently said, although, you know, uh, they were the best years of his life mm-hmm. uh, playing that part. Now, I think before we wrap up this 15-minute uh, review, <laughs> um, we should just say that a uh, couple of things here. One is the fact that um, in that final music scene that you were just listening to there, Mm -hmm. uh, we have the Doctor, uh, 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 William Hartnell, uh, appear to look across the console Mm -hmm. and um, another Doctor briefly appears. Surprise, surprise. What did you think about that? Well... I, and I, I first, I'm going to shake my fist right now to those those people on Facebook uh, who who posted a picture, a screenshot of that before um, I was able to, you know, see that. So, uh, but luckily I dismissed it as a Photoshop job. It's like, oh look, someone took a photo, someone photoshopped Matt Smith uh, on board um, the TARDIS with um, David Bradley playing the First Doctor. How isn't that cute? You know, uh, but I wish they wouldn't. Post these things, you know, because uh, this 
debuted in the in the, in the UK the day before it was in in the in the US and then you have to wait for if you're like me you know getting it through iTunes or whatever uh you have to wait for iTunes to make it available so not everyone sees these things exactly at the same time and you know and I spoke about in our last episodes how uh you know people should just give some more thought especially when posting videos or, or photos where you can't unsee it it's not that you can't you, you you could put a warning above the picture but if you see the picture first i'm a very visual person i'll, I'll look at the photo before i see the text you, you can't unsee it you know so anyway it, like i said i kind of when i did see it i dismissed it as someone doing photoshop and and went on and and uh, so but i have to say now but going to what you just asked me dave when i saw it I don't know. I, to me, it took me out of the element. You know, I understand why they did that. And this, and it's definitely not a deal breaker, but it did take me, you know, when I'm watching it, it just seems to take me out because you're in 1966 and you're in that mindset. And then all of a sudden it just seems a bit jarring, you know, and I, I don't think it's needed, but Again, it didn't destroy anything. It just I just felt it wasn't necessary, but I understand why they did that and but it did take me out of out of the the scene, you know. So it's also like you 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 the record just skipped and you're on another you know, you were enjoying one song and then also you're in another song and that's how it felt. It just felt a little jarring, it just didn't seem necessary, but it's okay and maybe watching it in the future knowing that it's there you know, I understand the sentiment and the, and the, and the reason for it, but I'm not sure if it was really needed. Yeah. I think it was a bit of a judgment call. I mean, I'm not too keen. So, and, and about that photoshopping, I, it, in some ways it wasn't well, because when you first see, uh, Matt Smith there, he's standing at the other side of the console with the console in between them. Mm-hmm. And then when they show the, when they switch back to him the second time, he's standing with the con, the, Matt Smith standing with the console behind him. Oh, I have, so I, have to I think watch they did that, did that bit wrong slightly. Mm. Uh, well, that's fair. Um, but I think if the and it would probably be too costly to have done it. What what I would have liked if they were going to do that at all was that when the the closing scene and the uh, the things going up, if they then move around the console and there you see the Patrick Troughton Doctor, right. Mm-hmm. And then if they could have done sort of CGI into the third Doctor, into the fourth Doctor, into the fifth Doctor, into the sixth Doctor, into the eighth, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, just three or four seconds, like, like one of these gifts that change, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, at, and, and then ended on Matt Smith. But I suppose the, the amount of effort to do that, so... Uh, I was actually expecting I think, I think to see... Judge McCall. I was actually expecting to see... Um, um, John Pertwee portrayed in this only because I saw again I, one of these things where um, it was on uh, Twitter this time I saw a photo of the three doctors I saw David Bradley playing the first doctor um, at the time I didn't know who it was but someone playing the second doctor and then there was this third person playing the third doctor now I didn't realize at the time that third doctor playing the, the person playing portraying John Pertwee was actually Mark Gatiss <laughs> in costume and it, this was not part of the story but he was just having a sort of a laugh with you know uh you know with the david bradley playing the first doctor and and reese Shearsmith playing patrick Troughton as the second doctor so there's uh, um if if you go to um mark Gaddis's um twitter i'm sure you find it elsewhere but if it's it, i think it's um he's using it as his um 
his his profile or cover picture or something like that you, you um you'll find it you know and so i thought maybe because william hartnell does come back in a limited way in the three doctors the the first anniversary special the 10th anniversary special so it's not that far to you know to say that 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 could have been included in this story since it did focus so much on William Hartnell, but it it didn't. That was just a, um, like I said, a, a publicity shot that wasn't really meant to be part of the story. And I should just say, uh, certainly here in the UK, uh, uh, right at the end of it, there was a recently found recording of William Hartnell in his dressing room talking briefly that was shown... Um, at the end, uh, I'm not sure whether it showed at the end now. Showed he showed it immediately following, but there was like a, a three minute four minute interview. Oh really? Interview no, I, I didn't see that. Hart, uh, uh, at his at his uh, when he was uh, performing at some theatre or panto or something, and they were just having a little interview with him. I'm sure you can find that somewhere. But I do uh, like how this ends. This ends. Nice. This ends with the, actually with William Hartnell playing the first doctor, you know, saying, you know, that, that dialogue, um, you know, where he's saying one day I'll oh, yes, come in back. Between, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was and a nice touch. As well. Absolutely. Then at the end, they had like information cards telling yes. you, you know, about the, the main characters. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, let, let, let me just say that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was equally, equally memorable to me than the 50th anniversary in some ways more i mean you could argue that it it, it resonated even more mm-hmm. uh, for a longer yeah. term fan uh, i absolutely loved it another reason to thank mark gates for doing it and all the people that were working here of course it was directed uh, by this uh, terry madonna who uh, we're still going to get that right. Uh, there's a fabulous, uh, as you mentioned, lots of cameo people, and I would suggest anybody goes to the Wikipedia page, Adventures in Time and Space, and just takes the time to just uh, check out uh, the list of all the people that were in there. And all in all, it was a thoroughly wonderful time. And um, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. Apologies to those people who say I should perhaps check this, but um, I, I do know that when the the 50th anniversary episode went out in America. The first time they showed it, they showed it without adverts. Mm-hmm. Uh, did this go out without adverts on the first showing or not? Or well, since I, you caught it on iTunes. Yeah, I got it on, uh, through iTunes. I'm assuming that it didn't. It went out with you know commercials uh, breaks inside of it. I think the reason why the 50th anniversary Doctor Who, um, you know, the, the the day the Doctor went out without commercials was because it was. It was simulcast, so it went out the same time uh, as the BBC. So it was something like one fifty uh, p.m. here in the U.S. That it yeah, was it would shown. have got out of it would have got out of sync yeah. uh, if it done that. So uh, absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. All all the cast were brilliant. The principals, in particular, mm-hmm. uh, it seems churlish to uh, mention any particular one, but I mean, uh, as we mentioned, Brian Cox, Jessica Rain, uh, David Bradley, um, and the guy who played Boris Hussein. Uh, Sasha Dawan, mm-hmm. if that's right. Pro- yes. My pronunciation. I can't even pronounce some of the wines yeah. I drink. But <laughs> You're doing better than I. So I, I Sasha Dawan, I, I, I'm not sure, but I, he does. I apologize because, like you said, he does an excellent job. He's warm and inviting as um, Waris Hussein, and you know, and and having met Waris and, and interviewed him, I, you know, I I'm appreciative that they didn't, you know. That they got him well, you know, and from my understanding, Worse was at the showing, you know, the the 
preview of this and he was in tears and not not tears of discontent but of of you know of joy yeah, and I should just say, um, and Ian will want me to say this, because another Dave A.C. recommends the, that actor who played Warriors of Sane in a great science fiction series called The Last Train, which is a miniseries oh. from 1999. All right, I'll definitely uh, I'll need to catch that then, because I haven't seen it. And I, th- I thought he did a great job in this, so I'm, I'm sure he's equally great in that. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, Dave. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, I, you know, wholly you know, recommend it. And I'm, I'm definitely, I'll give it five out of five TARDIS groans. It's just, it's something that I think any Doctor Who fan, especially longtime fans will appreciate. It's definitely worth checking out. I know even non-Doctor Who fans who have seen this and thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, um, uh, Don McAllister, who's a, a well-known Mac podcaster, he had said that, you know, he, he's very upfront that he's not a Doctor Who fan, but he saw this and said it was lovely. He really enjoyed it. Yep. All right. Indeed. I uh, loved it. And just an, another little note about this is that when I kind of covered it in one of the clips that we played tonight, um, well, today, in this episode, <laughs> was um, how how close this series came to not continuing on. It was um, the Daleks kind of saved it and became it. This docudrama showed how Dalek mania, you know, how the enthusiasm and how everyone got excited about the Daleks kind of kept the show going sort of in the way that Patrick Troughton ensured the continuation of Doctor Who. He was the second Doctor. The second serial, the Daleks, proved that how strong the series was. And this is something that Verity felt very strong about. So, again, there's there's just so much in this to really appreciate. And for for new fans that may not be familiar with it, don't be shy about it. I mean, there's, there's much to learn how Doctor Who all came about. And I think this... I mean, it may not cover everything, but it gives you a good taste of it. Yeah, absolutely. I guess um, any any further comments about this before we go on? It's um, one of the best things you'll watch of the 50th anniversary. Yes. Yeah, same here. I agree with that. All right, we'll be right back with more Dr. Upanchak and with our return, uh, with our review of the five-ish Doctor's reboot. Yeah, in about five-ish minutes. <laughs> Yes, you're right. This is Annika Wills, and you are listening to Doctor Who Podshop. For the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, we have a great selection for our pick of an audiobook from Audible. Well, before we go any further, let me remind our listeners that Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from in every genre, including sci-fi and, of course, lots of Doctor Who titles. But they also have other titles in other different genres, be it business, romance, thrillers, comedy. Audible has it. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, your Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And... As always, for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. Now, to get your or to get your free audiobook, simply your free audiobook, that is, simply go to audibletrial.com slash Podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com 
slash Podshock for your free audiobook. And as I said, for the 50th anniversary, there's an anthology book called 11 Doctors, 11 Stories. So it encompasses all 11 Doctors, <laughs> minus, uh, well, I won't get into that, but 11 Doctors. <laughs> it includes authors. I believe there's 11 authors involved, including Neil Gaiman has written one of them. Uh, others include, um, oh, there's a host of them, um, Derek Landy, um, Charlie Higson, uh, Patrick Ness, um, and, and, well, there's, I'm not going to name all of them, but there's a lot of authors involved. There's a lot of narrators involved, including Nicholas Briggs, Fraser Hines, uh, Sophie Adred. Um, so it's a wonderful treat, and it also includes a first Doctor story, so that's sort of appropriate with our review of an adventure in space and time. So, yes, 11 Doctors, 11 stories, 11 unique interpretations of the Doctor. So let's hear a little bit of that right now. 1. The Strand, London, 1900. The Doctor was not happy with his new bio-hybrid hand. Preposterous! It's not even a proper hand, he complained to Aldridge. There are only two fingers, which is rather fewer than the traditional humanoid quota. Aldridge was not one to put up with any guff, even from a Time Lord. Give it back, then. No one's forcing you to take it. The Doctor scowled. He knew Aldridge's bartering style, and at this point the zing surgeon usually threw out a red herring to distract the customer. "'Would you like to know why I closed my practice on Gallifrey?' Aldridge asked. Red herring delivered as expected. Every time he turned to Aldridge for help, this story was trotted out. "'Was it our title, perhaps?' the doctor inquired innocently. "'Exactly,' said Aldridge. "'Call yourselves Time Lords. How pompous is that? Someone previously registered temporal emperors, had they? A pity you could have shortened it to Temperors.' "'Temperors,' thought the doctor. "'That's almost amusing.' "'Amusing because a Time Lord known as the Interior Designer had once famously suggested that exact title at a conference.' and been nicknamed Bad Temperer for the rest of his quantum days. But the Doctor could not allow even a glimmer of a nostalgic smile to show on his lips, firstly because smiles tended to look like a death rictus on his long face, and secondly because Aldrich would exploit the moment to drive up his price. Five fingers, Aldrich,' he insisted. "'I need an entire hand just to do up my shirt in the mornings.' Humans put buttons in the most awkward places, even when they are quite aware that Velcro exists. He checked his pocket watch, or rather will exist in half a century or so. Aldridge pinged one of the curved ceramic digits with a scalpel. The exoskeleton has two fingers, I will grant you that, Doctor, but the glove has five, including the thumb, all controlled by signals from the exoskeleton. A blooming biohybrid miracle. The doctor was impressed, but would not allow himself to show it. I'd rather have a bio-bio miracle if it's all the same to you. And I am in a dreadful hurry. Come back in five days, said Aldridge. Your flesh and bone hand will be ready by then. All I need is a sample. He thrust a specimen jar under the doctor's nose. Spit, if you don't mind. The doctor obliged. 
feeling more than a little relieved that Spittle was all Aldridge needed from him. Some time ago, after the whole inscrutable doppelganger fiasco, he had been forced to part with two litres of very rare TL-positive blood from which to work up plasma. Five days? You couldn't get the job done with a little more urgency, could you?' Aldridge shrugged. "'Sorry, I have a cluster of amphibie men in the back, all hissing for their tail extensions. It's setting me back a fortune to hire a fire truck to keep them lubricated.' The doctor stared Aldridge down until the portly zing surgeon relented. "'Very well. Two days. But it's going to cost you.' "'Ah, yes,' thought the doctor, preparing himself for bad news. "'How much exactly is it going to cost me?' although how much was perhaps the wrong term to use, as Aldridge usually dealt in commodities rather than currencies. The surgeon scratched the bristles that dotted his chin like the quills of a porcupine. If ever one of Victorian London's cads, scoundrels, dippers or mucksnipes stepped inside Aldridge's clockwork repair and restoration, hoping to light-foot it down the strand with a couple of glittering fobs, they would have had a nasty surprise for Aldridge could balloon his cheeks and expel one of those venom-laden bristles with speed and accuracy comparable to that of the rainforest nomads of Borneo wielding their blowpipes. The villain would wake up six hours later, changed the Newgate prison railings with very fuzzy memories of the previous few days. Prison warders had taken to calling these occasional deliveries stork babies. The doctor pointed pointedly at all. Again, that's 11 doctors, 11 stories. Now, this could be a free audiobook, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. I believe this is about like a 12 hours worth of audio here, so this is a great deal. But you could choose whatever they have to offer as your free audiobook. It doesn't even have to be Doctor Who. We're just suggesting Doctor Who titles because, hey, it's a Doctor Who podcast. To get your free audiobook, once again, go to Audible Trial dot com slash podchock again that's audible trial dot com slash podchock for your free audiobook and we're back with Doctor Who Podchock sure I've just put my vengeance in va- on virus DVD in <laughs> It's got extras on it, you know. You locked the doors. I can't get out. <laughs> Beautiful scene. Is there going to be an anniversary special next year, Dad? Oh, I'm sure there will be. Yeah, but will you be in it? I think I will be available to film the 50th anniversary. This is Colin Baker speaking. Could you put me through to... Well, I seem to be stuck in the time vortex. Goodbye, my dears. Whatever it is you're planning, I'm in. Doctors deleted. This is such a great honour. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. You were always my favourite. You know they film it in Cardiff, don't you? No more messages. 
What about the Five Doctors reboot thing? No, I could get a look in. No, nor could I. I'm usually in everything. <laughs> that broad church gets everywhere. Olivia <laughs> Coleman there, of course, that last one with Sean Pertry. Yes, who uh, she played. I, I, oh. didn't, I didn't recognize her at first, but she was the mother in the 11th Doctor, uh, the, the one that, that was possessed. And son of John Pertry. Yes, uh, obviously Sean Pertry there. Uh, yeah, you know, if you've seen the 50th anniversary special, Day of the Doctor... You didn't really see the actual anniversary special. This is the actual anniversary <laughs> special. <laughs> this is the real deal. <laughs> this is uh, so lovely and so funny. And and hats off to Peter Davison who 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 wrote it and directed it. Um, and if you're, um, I mean, we kind of saw this coming because Peter Davison had done. I, I think, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it might have been a, at a Gallifrey convention that he was originally going to appear, but attend. then yeah, he couldn't yeah. attend. He he did this, he sent this video in, and I think that's when Doctor Who fans first saw his talents of making these funny videos, and uh, so it's it's in that same vein that this the it's called the Five Ish Doctors reboot. It's five with parentheses ish. In it because it's it's sort of five, but it depends how you count <laughs> Doctor's reboot, and it kind of just documents how the existing like living actors um, are now trying, you know, leading up to the 50th anniversary special, and how they're trying to get themselves included in the program, and it's it's hilarious. It, it really is. You really need to see it from, and I think it's a red. It was a red button special on BBC in the UK, and as as of Wednesday night, when um, the twenty sixth or twenty seventh, whenever that was uh, of November, it's I. It's you can watch it on our site, the dot org or Pachak dot net. Uh, it's embedded there. Now, if you go to the official site, there's an official five ish doctors reboot site. Unfortunately, it, those in the U.S. will get a mess, message saying that it's unavailable in your country. Now, um, again, if you go to our site, it's embedded there, and, and you, you'll be able to watch it as as of you know this week at least. I don't know what the future may entail. I don't know how long it's going to be available. Um, because I said, well, the reason why I say that because if you go to the official site, it says available for the next two or three days. So I'm assuming it's only going to it's only available for a limited time. I'm yeah, sorry, well, Dave. This won't help people listening to when this recording goes. My, my apologies. The uh, uh, it actually is available in the UK until uh, Saturday the thirtieth, ten thirty p.m. in the evening. That's when it uh, it will stop being on the the uh, the iTunes. Now, you uh, still might be able to try be, our site uh, and see if you can play it on the embedded. See if it plays. If it plays, it plays. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I. I I'm hoping that this gets some sort of official release because as of right now, it's not included in the extras for the 50th anniversary. It's, it doesn't see it. We're hoping that this makes its way to disc or, you know, uh, makes its way to either maybe streaming video or downloaded video somehow that you can purchase it in some oh, manner. It should be an extra on a DVD. I yes, mean, it should uh, be. Anybody who's, uh, I mean, and, and I hope, um, I mean, I don't, I mean, 
I'm having difficulty talking because I'm smiling. In fact, <laughs> just um, during that break, I was saying uh, that I just got a text off my uh, my son saying uh, he just managed to see it, he just watched it, uh, and he really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, you know, even people uh, like um, from Colton, the uh, Mike Randall Thor, uh, our very own uh, commentary expert, um, uh, he, he he was not at all pleased with some of the aspects of the, the main one. But this, he, he lapped it up and loved it. And um, uh, it, it was absolutely brilliant. The way they were self-effacing, the, you know, I mean, you know, some people might think some of these older actors are maybe a bit pompous or protective of their status. But here, they deflate everybody and their own egos. They're on screen. Uh, it was uh, uh, a thing of love, a thing of beauty. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm going to say that the Collins outfit had to be let out to, <laughs> because his chest was full of pride in doing this, uh, and of course, having Paul McGann on it uh, was another bonus. But some of the stars and the cast that came in it, well, I mean, again, it's please all do star. check the wiki page for the list. Yeah, there's absolutely. too 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 many to list and uh, to list to list rather. But I, I let me emphasize that it's not just. I mean, long time Doctor Who fans will really enjoy this, but it's not limited to that. New Doctor Who fans, even if you're just familiar with you know the series from 2005 onwards, the, you'll see John Barrowman in it. You'll see David Tennant in it. You'll see Matt Smith in it. You'll you'll see um, Jenna Louise Coleman in it. So. Dan Starkey. Yeah, there's such a wealth of material here, and it's amazing how many people uh, that um, Peter Davison was able to uh, to to include in this. I mean, it's it's just remarkable of um, the, the talent from Doctor Who going back, you know, all of you know throughout its fifty years to now, and 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 those that are somewhat associated with the program. Um, are included as well. I mean, how, how can you not like it? You can go all the way uh, from Ian, Sir Ian McKellen, all the way up to Matthew Waterhouse yes. with John Barrowman <laughs> in between. I mean, if that hasn't got a stellar cast, I mean, what has? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I was originally going to, like, um, you know, list some of my favorites uh, scenes from this but it would if i did that i would be recounting every single scene in this so it's let, let me just say it's about 31 minutes long so uh, it, you know yeah. it, it's it's not that long but it's, it's long enough and it's it, it, i <laughs> i know i sound speechless but uh, it's just funny you know it, it's it's a lighthearted, and it's it's poking fun at the program, yes, to a certain extent, but not, not and it, it, it's more self-deprecating of you know of, of the actors, you know, uh, it's you know they're having fun with it, and you can you can tell that it was a joy for them to make, and uh, and everyone you know kind of put their best foot forward with it. Well, we've been a bit spoilish about it, but we don't want to give some of the great bits away. But I mean, uh, one, there's the, a few. Uh, let me mention, say, three scenes that I loved. Uh, and uh, of course, by the way, it's there is a little bit of a did they are didn't they? Uh, because the whole premise of this is the doctors trying to get themselves into the 50th anniversary story. That's the whole premise. Yeah, the, of the, it. Past the past actors, the past actors that play yeah, the doctor. They're trying to, 
Yeah, and there's some brilliant things. I mean, Sylvester McCoy keeps going, dropping the fact that I'm in The Hobbit, you know, a multi-million pound. And they're all uh, envious uh, and jealous and over Paul McGann, who's uh, constantly doing you yeah. know, film work. <laughs> Except Sylvester McCoy saying, "Well, that was only a film for yes. TV." What yeah. a multi- That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, there's a, but but there's a lovely scene with um, well, there's a lot. Uh, they're they're camping and protesting outside uh, the broadcasting house, and uh, John Barrowman comes past with his shopping, and he says, uh, <laughs> "You know the film in Cardiff now, don't you?" And then there's another little scene with him. I won't spoil it. Even I'm sure you've watched it, but um, the, the, they try and get a lift, catch a lift off him, and we have a shocking reveal about John Barrowman. <laughs> absolute shocking reveal about him. What else is that? Um, oh, the show rudder. I mean, uh, uh, the, the the great Toffee himself. He has a dream sequence, and we have all the faces going around. Tegan, you know, that's well, nasty. Yeah. Yes, die, doctor. It's not like that, but it's... it's well, if, if you recall, you know, when, when Tom Baker, his regeneration before, you know, into Peter Davison, you'll see all the faces of his past companions and, you know, circling about, and then you see, you'll, then the master comes up and knows, no, die, doctor, die. So it was sort of a homage to that, you know, where you'll see Matthew Waterhouse, you'll see... Well, again, I don't want to spoil it, but you'll see even canine ha- has a part in it <laughs> and there was one little thing that that when i saw it i thought no sorry um we have uh stephen moffat you know not wanting to be bothered with these phones he's got very i mean he's always going on about how hard he works and i'm sure he, he must be one of our most hardest working people in tv uh since russell t davis was doing the job but when he puts the phone down he's, he's got the 10th and 11th doctor uh, miniatures there, the models there. What's really interesting is he's got the two doctors holding hands. That scene is in the 50th anniversary story. We do see the two doctors holding hands just briefly. Yeah, <laughs> There's lots of great things in it. It absolutely is a treat, a joy for the fans. And I, I, I don't know how much it would be for... I mean, where we said the the um, an adventure in space and time will appeal, we think, even to people who are not totally into classic Who, because it will give them some idea of the origins. This is very much, uh, you know, for the the people in the know in one sense. Well, you go. We're, we're a couple of scenes you, you ought to pick. I mean, we're not going to go all through this bit by bit because it was just a simple joy, and I'm almost thinking... Uh, let me go, Lewis. I'm going to go and watch it again, you know. So, <laughs> well, what did you think? that's how I felt when we were reviewing uh, an adventure in, in space and time. I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm so excited about this. I, I feel like, like stopping the review now and watching it again. So that's why I'm really, I really hope this does get some sort of release. As of right now, it's, it's um, we, we, we mentioned it's available. It was a red button special. It's available on the website for only for by the time this podcast goes out. Unfortunately, it's not going to be on the official site anymore. And I don't know if the embedded video is still going to work on our site. So if you haven't seen it yet, you could try it on our site. Apologies if it's not there anymore. But I really do, in my heart of hearts, hope that this does get released on a as an extra somewhere along the. Right now, it's not an extra on the on the fiftieth anniversary. You know. Uh, the Day of the Doctor DVD or, or Blu-ray disc, and it really should be. So I'm hoping that this does turn up somewhere along the line um, to make it more accessible because it's such a great thing that it shouldn't be locked away. 
Yeah, I mean, this. Two more lovely moments, uh, I'll grab them before you do, uh, with, with Joy Moffat, of course, the 10th Doctor's uh, wife, about to give birth, and, uh, oh, and that, yes. that's being ignored. And then right at the end, just to think it's over, uh, Russell T. Davis is trying to get back in the act. He's, uh, he's feeling, uh, you know, in the desert land <laughs> because he's left out, uh, you know, and he's trying to get back into it. So It's it's a funny thing, you know, Stephen, Stephen Moffat, you know, getting receiving all these calls and sort of dismissing them, and not even, like, playing back all the messages and he's just like uh you know it's 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 this character again whatever and, and just turning it off and then um and, and then delete delete and and if you notice that it was a cyberman voice saying deleted message <laughs> you know um i know there's just so much to like about this it's it's hard to kind of single out any particular favorites because they're all favorites you know i, I love how they they sneak into um I, I guess it's the Doctor Who experience, whatever the uh, the the, the exhibition, exhibition of Doctor Who props and costumes, and they see all their costumes, and then they they walk into the uh, into the TARDIS, and they go there. Obviously, it's not a real TARDIS, so it's not bigger on the inside. So you see uh, Colin Baker, Peter Davison, and, and Sylvester McCoy cramped in a dark TARDIS, feeling very uncomfortable with each other. <laughs> You're like, uh, you know, this isn't a real TARDIS. <laughs> Uh, again, I to pay to get in. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but you know, maybe they actually succeeded really? and they they do appear in the day that, of the doctor, and maybe you just didn't see them or recognize them. And I'll say that much. So maybe they were under wraps. They might maybe be under wraps. under wraps. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> d- yeah, definitely worth checking out. And I do hope um, if you're listening to this after the thirtieth, which I'm sure you are. Uh, I, I do hope it is available somehow or somewhere so that you can see it because um, it's it's such a joy and it's a nice treasure. It's a and it's a, a wonderful treat. As I said, um, all the 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 past doctors that had appeared, with the exception of Tom Baker, they they did try to get Tom Baker involved with it, um, but they have. They have Tom Baker sort of in it because um, there's a uh, well-known Shaw's voice, yeah, well-known impersonator yeah. of Tom Baker, and you'll hear his voice in it. So, uh, with that exception, you, all the other you know living actors that had played the Doctor are in it, along with the current. Uh, <laughs> the only one sort of missing is uh, Peter P- uh, Capaldi, but everyone else you know is, is uh, makes an appearance, and along with um, David Troughton, the son of Patrick Troughton's in it, uh, who was um, mm-hmm. who, who was actually in some Doctor Who episodes itself, including Midnight a, a twenty oh eight Doctor Who, but he was also he appeared in the Curse of Peladon, the War Games, and uh, the Enemy of the World as well. You know, so uh, you know he has some Doctor Who credentials himself. Um, yeah, Nicholas yeah, Briggs. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it was lovely that he got the, the, the clip from the Lord of the Rings, uh, well, from the Hobbit thing, where Sir Ian McKellen delivers a very dry line. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, they're on the set of The Hobbit, and, well, I don't want to give it away, but it, it's it's just great yeah. that <laughs> you got Peter, Peter Jackson's in it, you got David, Ian McKellen. It's just, there's, there's nothing really not to like about this, you know, and... Uh, like I said, the only thing I don't like is that it's it seems to be very limited in its availability. So um, I just don't want this to get lost in it. And it's such a, um, a a treat and a treasure that I don't want it to see. It just, um, you know, I just want to make it accessible to all fans. 
Yeah, uh, and by the way, Ian, who uh, can't be with us today, as far as he's concerned, they were in the 50th anniversary because nobody can tell him that, nobody can tell him that they weren't in it. Well, as far it. as Ian's concerned, they were in it. I I I, I concur with him. I'll, I I'm more than happy to concur with that. Why not? All right. Well, I'm yeah. gonna. I'll, I'll give this five out of five. Tardis Groans as well. I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, it doesn't get stale. I, I watched it again, and it, it's just, just as, um, it's just as good the second time around as well. So, the five-ish doctors reboots. Well, uh, hats off to Peter Davis. Yeah, I can't agree with. I can't agree with five Tardis Groans out of five. I have to give it five-ish. Five-ish. That's right. Oh, good call there. Yeah. I'm, I'm slipping. My, I'm slipping off my game. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely catch it. It's like I said, it's, a, it's just over um, a half hour. So it's not a big investment and you, you're sure to have a good oh, time. Oh, no, 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 it isn't. No, it isn't. Oh, you see, you're missing another one. You need 90 minutes to watch this because you want to watch it at least three times on the run. <laughs> there you go. Again, we want to hear what you have to say, so please give us your feedback and what you thought of either the, the Five-ish Doctors reboot or the, um, the Adventures in Space and Time. And as always, you can send your feedback to Dr. Kupachak by calling the Pachak Public Call Box at 206-350-6463. And as always, I'd like to make a note that that's a U.S. area code, so just be aware of that. Uh, we don't charge you anything for it, but your whatever phone carriers that you have, whatever the charges they may have, apply. Uh, or definitely you can also just record. Most people have smartphones today. Not everyone, I realize. But if you do a, since it is an audio podcast, if you do an audio recording with um, like a voice memo feature on your iPhone, on your smartphone, you can then just email it to feedback at net, And we want to hear what you have to say. Um, as always, you can um, also catch Dave on the Cultum Collective, which is on at 2 p.m. Sundays on TalkShoe. And Dave, what's the TalkShoe ID for that? It's 54821. So please uh, give that a listen. And uh, like uh, we said, if you, certainly if, you, uh, if you've uh, just been out uh, uh, on Black Friday and bought yourself a new iPhone, what better can you have than uh, have a brand new shiny app to uh, listen to Podshock? And uh, you can still listen to uh, our collective one via uh, the means maybe even itunes <laughs> well yeah and I, I hope everyone's enjoying you know for me i this anniversary the 50th anniversary didn't end on the 23rd this still continues for me so until the 51st anniversary rolls around i'm still going to be enjoying the 50th anniversary so there's um so much to uh, such a wealth of stuff not just um the day of the doctor not just the adventure an adventure in space and time and the five-ish doctors reboot but you can go back and review the 10 do the not the 10 doctors the the 10th anniversary special which was the 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 three doctors or you can go back to the five doctors which was the 20th anniversary special uh just don't go back to the 30th one that wasn't an, a a non-canon um 3D Another 3D, uh, I think probably was the first 3D venture that Doctor Who had that um, I, I don't even remember, don't recall the name. It's one of those things that you see once and you try to forget. But yeah, yeah uh, there's, there's and, uh, so much to celebrate. Not long to wait till Christmas. 
Yeah, there's um, right. how many days till Christmas? As the time of recording this, I, I'm, it's it's under a month now. So uh, since um, well, I think we mentioned in our last episode that they released the the title of that, the time of the Doctor. So we have that to look forward to. Absolutely. All right. Well, until then, um, thanks for listening, and we'll um, enjoy the continue to enjoy the 50th anniversary. And Dave, thank you. And um, we, we miss Ian today, but we'll, we'll, I'm sure he'll be back. Yep, I miss Ian. All right. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. What about the doctor himself? He's something like... 600 years old. Looks like a senile old man, but he's tough. Tough. Tough and wiry like an old turkey. It's what you do so well, Mr. Hartnell. Stern and scary. But with a twinkle. Trust me, Bill. You're perfect for it. No one will be able to resist you. Really think so? C.S. Lewis meets H.G. Wells meets Father Christmas. That's the Doctor. Doctor who? Mm-hmm.